I thought about my day a lot this, this weekend specifically, and, and more specifically of what we remember tomorrow. You see, for my kind of a day, uh, when I come home and my wife says, so, Brian, how was your day? I'm like, good. She's like, what'd you do? Same thing I did yesterday. I had meetings. I answered phone calls. I made phone calls. I answered emails, and I prepped for Sunday. And, you know, some other things in there as well as we continue to move our church forward. A pretty typical day. Can you imagine what my wife would say if I walked home and, and came home, and she said, how was your day? I was like, oh, no, it was a pretty typical day. She's like, well, what'd you do? Well, I was working on sermon stuff. I was getting ready for Sunday. Arrested a guy, by the way. And uh, then I made some, some emails. I answered some emails. Went into a burning building and had to run out, carry a few people with me. Went and had lunch over at Panera like I normally do. I mean, I mean, could you imagine? She was like, what? what? What did you just do? That would be so far out of the norm for me because that's not what I'm used to. Tomorrow we remember 9-11 and the first responders that not just were part of 9-11 but that continue to be part of our everyday lives, their normal day is very different than my normal day. In fact, their normal day is waiting for a phone call because something bad has happened in my normal day. They talk about it. They come home from work. Yeah, typical day. You know, I dealt with this situation. I helped these people. I had to chase this person down. I pulled people out of this, this problem. I saved these people. A very different kind of an everyday for them. But they live that everyday so that when our everyday goes wrong, someone's there for us. So I would hope and most certainly pray that as we remember 9-11 tomorrow, that we remember the sacrifice of those that died, but those that continue to sacrifice because of what they give up every day for our every days. Because we usually don't think about them until we need them. And uh, man, there's, as you see, as Irma comes up Florida, and as we saw what Harvey did on the coast of Texas and on that side of the Gulf, I mean, as people should, evacuating Florida. If I was living in Florida, I most certainly would be out of there, be out of there. Which, by the way, if you are here and you're visiting from Florida, we're so glad to have you in Dawsonville. I'm not sure how you found out about Dawsonville, by the way. If you just kept going north until you found a hotel that was, was open, we're glad that you're here and hope that you get back home safely and soon. But, man, a lot of people evacuate. But what, what's interesting and what we don't always see the pictures of are the first responders that are waiting to go in. In fact, here's a, here's a picture. Over 100 ambulances from West Virginia have been deployed from West Virginia, and some of them were actually over in Texas. They redeployed them, drove through the night, and they are in a staging area just north of the Florida line waiting to go in. So as most of us would be leaving, you have these first responders that are waiting to go in. That's who they are. That's what they do. It's what they're called to. They're rescuers. And a rescue has three parts. A rescue needs these three parts, or it's not a, a rescue whatsoever. You have to have a bad situation. You have to have somebody in a bad situation, trying to get out of that bad situation that needs help, and then somebody that's willing to show up, the rescuer, the rescuer. If you take any one of those things out, there's no possibility for a rescue. So what I want us to do this morning is, if you've got your Bible, head over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, I want to show you a rescue in scripture, maybe a passage you're somewhat, somewhat familiar with, but want us to take a little bit of a different view on it. Uh, so Matthew chapter 14, towards the end of it, uh, the disciples have been following Jesus around. They've seen some incredible miracles. In fact, they just saw Jesus do an incredible miracle with loaves and fish. With fish. And so now they're in a boat heading across the lake. Jesus actually instructs them after the miracle, hey, let's get in a boat. You guys go ahead. I'll catch up with you. And here's where we pick up Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. 
Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray by himself. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted, in other words, they were in trouble by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, and we all know this part, walking on the lake, walking on water. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in, what's this word here? Out in fear. I want you to underline that word. We're going to come back. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take, and what's this one? Courage. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and was afraid, and he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And then when they both climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. A very familiar passage. The disciples were in trouble on a boat, and it leads to this miracle, of not just Jesus walking on water, but Peter coming out of the boat and walking on the water as well. Now, you got to understand, they were, they were afraid. They were terrified, one, because they thought Jesus was a ghost, but also because of this storm. Now, remember, most of the disciples, they were kind of rough guys. Many of them grew up on the lake. Many of them were fishermen. They were used to this situation. This was not the first storm that they had sailed through. But there was something different about this storm that made them afraid. It was a much bigger storm. So understand, we're not just talking about some inexperienced men going out on a boat, not sure what to do. These men, in order for them to be afraid and terrified, this storm had to be beyond what they could handle on their own. And again, they were experienced. Do you see the need for a rescue here? Do we have the three parts? What were the parts again for a rescue? The first one, a bad what? A bad situation. Can we agree that the disciples were in a very bad situation? No? Thank you. Thank you. I don't have a sermon if they weren't in a bad situation. Yes, they were in a very bad situation. Not just a, well, let's see if we can work this out. No, a terrifying, terrible, life-threatening situation. Do we have some people that are in the middle of that bad situation? Yes, most certainly. They want out. They need help. The disciples are in a bad situation, right in the middle of it, needing help. And do we have somebody that shows up? Do we have somebody that shows up? Yeah. We have Jesus that shows up, and he's going to be the rescuer. It has to have those three elements. Now, when we're looking at our lives, we immediately go to those physical and those, those, those types of bad situations. We say, well, you know, we're, we're, we're up further north. We're not in any major, we don't have any major storms coming our way. We should be out of it. We, we look at other people's lives and we say, well, I'm not in as bad of a situation as them, so I don't really need rescuing. That's the tendency, and man, I pray that you can fight against that. Because the worst thing that we could do this morning is be ignorant and naive and say, no, no, no. I'm not in that bad of a situation. Now, that doesn't mean that your life is totally falling apart, but we could all find some areas in our life that says, this is a bad situation. I need some help. I need to get out of this. If, if we keep going, this is not going to end well. Maybe it's not the, the car wreck or the hurricane. Maybe it's not the, the house on fire or the drowning. Maybe it is something a little bit different we don't usually think we need rescuing from. Maybe it is the and I've just been burning through my finances. Maybe my relationships are what's really in a wreck. Maybe my marriage is what's falling apart. 
Maybe I'm, I'm not threatened at gunpoint, but bitterness and rage and anger, disappointment, maybe those are the things that I'm carrying around that's threatening my way of life. Maybe I'm, I'm drowning in anxiety and depression. Maybe it's just a mess. My life is just upside down. My life is a mess. We can agree that we do need a rescuer because we all are in some kind of a bad situation, and it's not a comparison game. It's not a, I'm in a better spot than you, you're in a worse spot than me. It's a, yeah, we, we have some areas that we recognize we need some help. We need a rescuer. We're in a bad situation. We're right smack in the middle of it. We need some help. We can't do it on our own, and we need somebody to show up. So I want you to write down three words. We're going to go back and we're going to see this in Scripture. Take your worship guide. Write down three words for me. First one is courage. Just write courage somewhere on here. We're going to come back to it. Courage, humility, and trust. Courage, humility, and trust. And I want to show you through what we see with the disciples and especially Peter and then Jesus, how those three words are going to help you navigate through a storm, how you can get rescued. Because the, the ideal rescue is, is not needing to be rescued. The ideal rescue is that Jesus would just calm the storm immediately. Did Jesus calm the storm right, right at the beginning? Yes or no? No. No. There were so many times where we would think, Jesus, that would be a perfect time to calm the storm. You ought to, you ought to calm the wind, calm the waves right here, but he doesn't. He waits until the very end. He actually waits until everybody is safe and then calms the storm. Now, we have other instances in Scripture where Jesus, yes, he calms the storm from the beginning, but in this case, he waits. And we might be crying out, God, I need you to fix this. I need you to take care of this. And he's saying, not yet, not yet. So this is for those of you that are stuck in not yet. <laughs> in your prayer life with God, you feel like he keeps saying not yet. So courage, how do we see courage in this? Take courage knowing that Jesus is there. Go back to Jesus' first words. He walks out to them on the lake. They're terrified already because of the size of the storm and the fact that they feel their life is in danger. And Jesus walks out and they think he's a ghost. So they freak out even more. But he says just three quick sentences. He says, don't be afraid. It is me. It's I. It is I. Or he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What you don't see Jesus say is, is take courage. I'm going to take care of everything. Don't be afraid. Or take courage, I'm going to calm the storm in just a second. Don't be afraid. It doesn't say take courage because I'm the God of the universe. You should know me and give him a long spiel about who he is and then say, don't be afraid. No, he simply says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. The who is so important there, so important there. This last week, we had some kind of a major, well, at least to my kids, it was a major storm go through, I think, on Tuesday night or something. So we're getting our kids in bed, which is quite the feat, mind you, when it's thundering and lightning and raining outside. We finally get our two boys up in their beds, and Becky and I go downstairs on the couch to be able to hang out, watch some TV, and then, man, we just hear it. We feel like, okay, they're almost asleep. They're just about there, and we're downstairs, and then just the loudest clap of thunder then the lights go out and they kind of flicker back on and we both look at each other and we're like wait for it Mama! I mean just two ear-piercing voices are just screaming from upstairs and I look at back and say they called for mommy they didn't ask for daddy she said get upstairs so I take off upstairs and so I get up there and I walk in their room and and this is dad dad fixes things dad takes care of things these are my boys so I run into the room and daddy's here boys I've got you they both look at me and say, no mommy I say Becky and then I start screaming out for Becky 
Now, what was interesting is it's not that I probably, I mean, I, I was there to help, but to them, they needed somebody different. To them, they needed mom. And Becky didn't have to say anything. As soon as she walked into the room, I mean, they were like, <laughs> they just come straight to her. She calms them down. We get them back in bed. They didn't need daddy in the moment. They needed mommy. And so when Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. He's saying, I'm here. I'm here. If any of you happen to have a heart attack during service, you don't want the preacher to come down and say, don't worry, the preacher's here for you. They're like, no, 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 don't pray me into heaven right now. Give me a paramedic. Give me somebody else. The who is extremely important. When we're in the middle of a storm, a lot of people may want to help, and maybe there's some people that can help, but when it comes down to it, we need the one that says, it is I. The one who claimed, I am. Jesus said, I am, just as God gave his name to Moses. I am. He says, take courage. I am here. It is I. Don't be afraid. God is with you. Sure, you expect a preacher to say that, but he most certainly is. God is with you when it's calm, but he's most certainly with you when there's a storm as well. And even when he's not calming the storm, he's walking out to you, saying, I'm here. It's me. You know me. So take courage because you know who I am and I'm right here with you. Take courage because Jesus is right there with you. What was the second word I told you to write down? Humility. Good. Yes, humility. Have humility. Have the humility to ask for help. Have the humility to, to ask for help. When I was in college, I worked at a student conference each summer. And so as a freshman, just finished up my freshman year in college, it was my first summer with this student uh, conference. And so we're setting everything up, students and, and teams and groups aren't there yet, churches haven't arrived yet, so we're getting everything set up. And the director of the conference looks at me and says, hey, throws me keys, I catch the keys, he says, I need you to take the van that's parked out front, I need you to back up, back it up and take it around so we can unload the trailer to the back of the auditorium. I'm like, got it, boss. So I take those keys, I walk out, and I see this big old 15-passenger van with a massive trailer behind it, huge trailer behind it. I'm thinking, can't be that hard. Never, I mean, I've never backed one of these up, but I mean, it's just like backing up anything, right? Yeah. So I go in and start it up, and I start backing up, and, and you know this if you've ever backed up a trailer. It's a little different, isn't it? <laughs> Didn't grow up backing up trailers. I've never backed one up in my life before, but surely I've got this. So I start trying to back the trailer up, and all of a sudden, that trailer just swings off. I mean, I'm almost looking at it outside my window. I was like, okay, that didn't work. So I pull up again. Let's try the other way. And it goes the, I mean, just totally swings up. I probably say it felt like an hour. It might not have been that long, but it felt like forever, just trying to eventually get this thing out. And I kept telling myself, I'm not going to go ask anybody. I, I am not going to be the freshman that walks back in and tells the director of the entire conference, I don't know how to back up a van with a trailer attached. Now, I have no doubt. They never said anything to me. But it took me so long because when I finally did get around, they were all sitting around waiting. And they just kind of had these looks like, should we say something? Should we not say something? Because I imagine them peering through the windows of the front of the auditorium, watching this kid take all these different tries to finally get it out. But I was stubborn. I was determined. I'm going to figure this out. There's no way I'm going to ask for help. And we see a moment where Peter had that choice to make. Jesus comes out. They're terrified. He says, don't, don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. And then Peter says, well, if it really is you, then let me come out there with you. 
And you know this part of the story. Jesus says, okay, come on out. And I want you to look at this again. I'm going to put it back on the screen for you. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Now, time out there for a second. Imagine the rest of the disciples. Again, is it still storming at this point? Yeah, the winds, the waves, the rain, it is still storming. It's in the middle of the night or the early morning hours, we're told. And, and in this moment, Peter makes what we would say is a pretty dumb decision. Okay, I'll get out of the boat. And the rest of these friends and the disciples had to be saying, Peter, it's not smart. Peter, stay here. Peter, we don't really know if that's him or not. All the voices had to have been, had to have been telling Peter, stay put. For whatever reason, Peter feels like he needs to do this. So he steps out of the boat, says that in Scripture, the end of verse 29, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Is it still storming at this point? Yes. He walked on the water in the middle of a storm and came towards Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind and was afraid, began to sink. Now here's the moment that he had to make a choice. Because he had all his buddies most likely in the boat telling him not to get out. He made a decision against what they probably would have suggested. He gets out of the boat, starts walking towards Jesus, thinking, told you so, started walking out, but then all of a sudden saw everything, was afraid just like we would be, and started sinking. Now, in this moment of sinking, what, what do you do? Because I just got out of a boat, and I mean, I've got a reputation on the line here. I can't be the guy that got out of the boat, walked on water, and then didn't make it. I can't be that guy. It's the... Well, I've got to figure this out. I got myself into this mess. I've got to figure out a way to get out of this mess. See, what Peter could have chosen was to say, I've got this, and to sink with his arms crossed. Instead, what does he do? He cries out, doesn't he? He cries out, Scripture says, that as soon as he started to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Scripture says that immediately Jesus reached down and grabbed his hand and pulled him up. And then had the little, why did you not have faith? Why did you doubt? See, that's where we sit. We sit in this moment of, what do we do? Do we ask for help or do we figure it out on our own? And by the way, this, is, this passage, man, we, as, as a pastor and a preacher, we love telling all of our people, man, have faith, get out of the boat. Whatever God's calling you to do, get out of the boat. It doesn't matter what other people say, get out of the boat, have faith. You can walk on water, you can do miracles. And that's awesome until you start to sink. We usually don't tell you the other part of that story, do we? <laughs> we get you all excited to walk on water, but he started to sink. So man, you take a, you take a, a leap of faith and you take a step out of the boat. You're like, I'm doing it. But what do you do when you start to sink? I would pray that you would have the, the faith, yes, to get out of the boat. The faith to walk on water if Jesus is calling you to it. But I also pray that you would have the humility to ask for help when you're sinking. What's holding you back from asking for help? Is it just plain stubbornness? Now I'm going to figure out how to turn this thing, how to back up on my own. I got myself into this mess. I have to figure it out. I don't want, to, I don't want anybody to know that I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want people to know my mistakes. I don't want, to see, I don't want anybody else to know that I'm sinking. I've been treading water for a while and I've got everybody fooled. I don't want anybody to know that I'm actually sinking. And what we end up doing is we sink and drown with our arms crossed. Have the humility to ask for help. The moment, the moment Peter started sinking, he said, I need help. I'm in a bad situation. I'm right in the middle of it and need help. And Jesus is immediately there. To rescue him. Immediately, scripture says that he reached out his hand and grabbed Peter. Take courage because Jesus is with you. 
Humility. Have the humility to ask for help when you need it. So let me just press in one more time. Are you, I mean, look at you. I've got to look at me when I'm asking this question too. Are you sinking with your arms crossed or are you reaching out for help currently? And whatever that bad situation is, are you sinking with your arms crossed or are you reaching out for help? Last one. What was the last word I told you to write down? Trust. Trust that Jesus will rescue even when the storm doesn't stop. When Jesus reached out his hand and pulled Peter back up, was it still storming? Was it still storming? Yeah. When Jesus and Peter started together, walk on water back to the boat, was it still storming? Yeah. It wasn't until they actually both stepped into the boat and everybody's now in the boat that the storm actually calmed. Verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. In that moment. See, Jesus is is the, the son of God. He is the creator. He has control. He most certainly could have calmed that storm at any time. He most certainly could have rescued his disciples in a number of ways. Yet he chose in this moment to let the storm keep going. He chose in this moment to let them experience a tremendous and terrifying storm. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Catch this. Is if the storm had been calmed at the very beginning, if they never even had the storm, would the disciples have needed to be rescued? Yes or no? No. No. It'd be a lot more comfortable. It would have been a lot more safe for them. It would have been easier to just get in the boat and cross the lake with no problems, no storm, no, no bad situation. But through the bad situation, they recognized, I need somebody to rescue me. We need a rescuer. And Jesus was right there to say, that's me. And that's when they realized who he was. When Jesus first came out, he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. They still thought he was a ghost. It wasn't until the very end, after they experienced the storm and saw Jesus's involvement in action, that's when, verse 33, then, then, not before, but then, those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. It took the bad situation, so they got in a place where they needed a rescuer. And Jesus is faithful. He will rescue. He may not always calm the storm when we want it, but he's going to rescue us in the middle of the storm. And then we get to say, yeah, you're, you're who you say you are. If Jesus just took every storm out of our life, if he took every bad situation out of our life, if, if he calmed it immediately when we asked him to calm it, would we really have a need for him? Would we feel like we had a need for him? We, I'm not saying he puts those bad situations. Nowhere in here does it say that Jesus caused the storm. But he walked out in it with us. And he rescued the disciples from it. And in his timing, he calmed it. I don't know what bad situation you're in. But I'm sure we're all in a bad situation or situations. And a variety of them. But we're in them because we need a rescuer. And these bad situations make us aware of our need, our desperate need for a rescuer. So what does that look like? I mean, it's a, it's a great passage to talk about on a Sunday morning. But I've never seen the physical hand of Jesus reach down and rescue me out of whatever I'm sinking in. Let me give you just a couple perspectives, maybe a couple lenses to maybe see Jesus' hand. Jesus uses other people all the time. Maybe that hand that is rescuing you 
Maybe Jesus' hand that's going to reach out to you is actually another, another friend, somebody that's sitting next to you even this morning. Maybe it's your small group. There's a reason we want you in small groups. I get no perk of all of you being in a small group. It's not like I work on commission, and the more groups we have, the more I get paid. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> The way it works is I know that life change happens best in groups. I know that when you need a rescuer, your group is there. I've experienced it. I've been that. I get it. So I know that when you're needing to say, help me, I know that a small group or one of the first groups of people that will reach out and say, I'm here. How can we help? So maybe it's other people. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's just church. You heard Jerry's story, and he said, man, it was when I finally got in here, and I looked at the communication card, saw there was a, a recovery group. We do. We have a recovery group. Maybe it's counseling. There's a number of ways that, that Jesus reaches out and rescues us, and it doesn't always look like Peter's rescue. We're not Peter. We need to rescue it in a different way. So be looking for that hand that is from Jesus, May not at first look like Jesus, but that hand that Jesus is using to reach out to rescue us. But we also have to ask for help. We can't constantly be the one, all right, if anybody wants to fish me out of the pool, that'd be great. Peter didn't start to sink and say, well, I hope Jesus does something soon. No, he said, I need help. Have the humility to ask for help, and I promise the hand of Jesus in some form, way, and fashion is going to reach out, grab a hold of you, and say, I've got you in the middle of the storm. Jesus waited so they could experience the storm, so they could also experience truly knowing who he is. The same for us. That's why Jesus came. There's a bad situation that's called sin. This perfect world that God had created is now a bad situation because of sin. And who's stuck right in the middle of this sinful world? We are. And we need help. We cannot overcome this on our own. And so God did what only God could do. He sent someone to show up, a rescuer, Jesus, to grab us by the hand. But the hand looked a little bit different when he rescued us from our sin. It looked like a cross and an empty tomb, and he says, I've got you, and I'm not letting go, and I'm with you the entire way, and sure, it's still going to be a rough ride, but I'm here. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I am with you. And even when the storm is still storming, trust because he's still right there. I mean, that's the gospel, the bad situation of sin, us stuck in the middle of it, needing a way out, needing help, and Jesus coming for us. The ultimate rescue, that's the gospel. Galatians says it this way. I'm going to end as he says it as a prayer. Paul writes this to the early church, and he, he almost sets up the beginning of his letter with a prayer. He says, may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Isn't that what we want in the middle of a storm? Give me grace, give me peace. But look at verse 4. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, premeditated, in order to, and say this word with, with me, in order to what? rescue in order to rescue us from this evil world our bad situation in which we live all glory to god forever and ever amen whatever bad situation you are in know that he's there have the humility to ask him for help and be looking for the people around you that are there to help and trust with all your heart that no matter how bad it gets he is still there he won't let you sink. He's got you. He's got you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you and we, um, we recognize 
your might, your power, and your ultimate love. That in the midst of our bad situation, and, and the bad situations we will continue to have, you still are active and evident in our lives. Just like we see with Peter and the disciples, you continue that today. It's why you came for us. It's why you died for us. It's why you conquered sin and death for each and every one of us. So Jesus, we simply say thank you for being our rescuer. We thank you for how you use people to rescue. We thank you for the first responders. We thank you for the first responders of 9-11. We thank you for the first responders of today that wait to go in, that are eager to go in when we need help out. That is you for us. You are our ultimate first responder. You're our rescuer. May we have the humility to say, Jesus, I need you. So right here, right now, we say thank you, but we also say we need you. We need you more than anything or anyone else. In Jesus' name.